If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. This is Peter Mahoney, co-author of The Next CMO, A Guide to Operational Marketing Excellence. And you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, where each week I publish an interview with the author of a new marketing or sales book, and which has been named by Forbes and LinkedIn, amongst others, as one of the top marketing podcasts. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since I get to read every book featured on the show, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or any other resource I know of for whatever challenge you're facing, send me a LinkedIn connection invite with a message that you're a listener, and I will do my best to get you pointed in the right direction. My name again is Douglas Burdett. All right, let's get on with the show. Today, we welcome Peter Mahoney to talk about the book he has co-authored with Scott Todaro and Dan Faulkner, The Next CMO, A Guide to Operational Marketing Excellence, published by Archway Publishing. Peter Mahoney is the founder and CEO of Plana, the AI-driven marketing planning and budget platform. Peter has degrees in physics and computer science and then showed up in the wrong room one day and ended up in marketing. In his 30-plus year career, Peter has built products and led marketing for startups and for multi-billion dollar public companies, including voice and AI innovator Nuance, where he was the chief marketing officer. And interesting fact... He is a graduate of the oldest existing school in the United States, the Boston Latin School, founded in 1635. Peter, congratulations on the next CMO, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Doug, and thanks for the props for the uh, 1635 club in Boston Latin School. Yes, and uh, you know that, that's older than Harvard, and I hope you all remind that of them frequently. We frequently do. In fact, Harvard was founded in 1636 because their graduates needed to go somewhere after finishing Latin school. Yes. Well, you know, they, they just couldn't get it together fast enough. So yeah, that's it's interesting reading about that. And in my misspent youth, I was an artillery officer, and I noticed that Henry Knox, uh, who was an American general in the Revolution, went there, and he's the father of American artillery. So if Peter... Mahoney ever goes to Fort Knox or the artillery school at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and you mentioned that you went to the same high school as Peter Knox, you will probably get your drinks half price. Excellent. Good to know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll write that down, Doug. Thank you. Share that with your fellow uh, alumni. So this book will need to be added to the list of five others uh, that I've had on the show over the years and probably out of 375 books uh, that are particularly helpful for people who are serious about their marketing career and they're looking for really uh, serious career guidance on how to be a successful marketer. And I'm not going to rattle off the names of the other five because I've been doing that a lot lately and I think it's wearing the listeners down, but I'm going to include a link to the other five books at your episode's website page at marketingbook.com 
www.thepodcast.com. So, Peter, one thing I have to ask uh, you, uh, just like I ask uh, authors who have other software companies, like, for instance, I interviewed David Cancel from uh, Drift uh, about his book, Conversational Marketing, or Ethan Butte from BombBomb. Do you have to use Plana software in order to implement the things that you outline in your book? <laughs> it's a great question, uh, and absolutely not. So we set out to write this book as a complete, independent, unbiased, unrelated to to the company. Now, it happens to align with the philosophies of our company and our product, but we almost look at the book as our product roadmap in a way because we wanted to start first by defining the right practices for leading a marketing function. And our figure, we figure our product will catch up over, over time. But uh, no, they are unlinked. And I love <laughs> to be in the same company as David, uh, and uh, I know him well as a fellow Boston-based uh, CEO. Yes, yes. And his book, Conversational Marketing, uh, the co-author, Dave Gearhart, wrote the foreword to your book. And I'm going to quote from that in a, in a minute here. But I just had to ask that. And honestly, just so the listener knows, I don't think I saw the name of your company in your book, <laughs> except on your bio. So that's I already, true. That's I already true. knew the answer to, your, to that question, but I had to get that out there. And, and frankly, if, if I, and I believe it or not, I've gotten some books from uh, authors, and it clearly was an ad for their software or their company, and they, uh, that's just not going to be he- terribly helpful because I don't use their software, and uh, I don't use your software, and this book is enormously practical, and man, am I going to be stealing from it. I'm going to be stealing from it for our, several of the um, templates you have, but also several quotes, some of which I'm going to mention. And also, there is a link that I'm going to include at, again, this episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com where people can go to the page and link and join the community and access all of the templates that you have, templates for things like marketing plans and financials, all that sort of thing, really, really helpful. So, And I think they might even get a copy of the book, if, if I'm not mistaken. They might if they play their cards right. Yeah. Okay. So there you go, listener. So uh, hang on to your hat. Now, the one thing I wanted to ask, though, is the first edition came out in 2020. This is the second edition. Uh, what prompted a second edition so quickly? I'll have to tell you, it's a funny and somewhat practical thing, Doug. The primary driver is uh, we, when we created the book for the first time, we had a pretty limited budget. We were a pretty early stage company, and we realized that you had to pay for the number of pages that you put in the book when you're uh, creating a book like this. Uh, and we literally had to edit and limit what we were going to say. So that was one. Uh, and we had a lot more that we wanted to include, and we just didn't have time. The, the second part was as we got the book out there, we got a lot of great feedback. People were really excited about what we did, and they asked us for more. So we thought, Sure, let's give them more. <laughs> and and in fact, we're we're we believe in we write books like the way we write software. There are going to be continuous releases. That's why we created the community so people could continue to interact later. And and on top of it, we're actually working on the third of edition of the book that may be out later this year or maybe in early 2023. We're not sure yet. But uh, it's such a fast-moving, evolving kind of function that we think keeping it up to date is really important. That is not surprising. That's a 
perfectly logical answer. Uh, this had so much in it, and you can't see my book, but I've got post-it notes coming out of it. I've marked it up. It's all dog-eared. I think you're going to have to keep coming out with new ones because the books are going to get so worn out uh, from sitting on people's desks, and that's a good thing. That's great. One of my favorite things to get, Doug, is I often see people will post on on LinkedIn or some other network pictures of their next CMO book, and it often has little uh, post-its throughout the whole thing, and it's dog-eared. And I love that, because that was a real key design point for us. We wanted a book that people would go back to and use as kind of a, I heard someone recently refer to it as their field guide for marketing. Yes, yes. And uh, I've heard an author refer to that as uh, seeing your book in the wild. That's exactly right. <laughs> so I want to read from uh, a couple sections from the intro that uh, Dave wrote, Dave Gearhart, and I'm going to include a link to his, uh, his website as well. So he, is, he hears from marketers uh, every day, all the time. He's very uh, prolific. He talks to a lot of people on, on LinkedIn and so forth, and he writes, There are students just learning the ropes and trying to get their foot in the door. There are the young marketers, fresh out of school, trying to find their place in the marketing world. The established marketers, with a few years of experience under their belt, are looking for a boost that will get them up to the C-suite. And even current CMOs, who have scaled the marketing mountain and want to stay on top of their game. But independent of their skill and expertise, they all have one thing in common. None of them went to school for B2B marketing. Regardless of age or experience, everyone who shows up on my site comes seeking those magic marketing secrets and systems that can't be read in a book or conveyed in a 20-minute PowerPoint presentation at an all-hands meeting. The kind of knowledge that can only be learned after years of testing, failing, retesting, then failing again. Things like how to plan, select a strategy, build a budget, and set and execute goals, what channels to pursue and which to ignore. It's stuff that every rising marketer has to grapple with at some point. And then a little further down, he writes, once you're in that leadership position, the cold hard fact of marketing comes into focus. It's all about driving revenue and growth. That doesn't mean that you need to abandon brand building entirely and only focus on what generates instant ROI. On the contrary, brand-centric channels like Social media, podcasting, YouTube, etc. can be great long-term growth drivers. It just means that you need to understand the business impact of all your marketing activities. What is the why of everything that you do in marketing? What's the strategic intent of increasing your social following, doubling your podcast downloads, or investing in your blog? Great. You have a marketing plan. Now, how are you going to execute? What are your guardrails? These aren't easy questions to answer. Heck, I still deal with some of these challenges on a daily basis 10 plus years into my marketing career, but they are questions that you need to think about and work through if you want to advance up the marketing ladder. That's why I have so much respect for the whole Planet team because there's no set operating system for modern marketers today. What Peter Scott and Dan have done is finally provide some long sought after answers to those marketing FAQs. They've managed to blend the operational side of marketing with the creative side to help you build a brand that is in service of revenue, not working against your business objectives. This book will give you the insights, templates, models, et cetera, that you need to implement a strategy that works for you and your business, no one else's. So, Peter, I want to ask something, but first I have to disclose something to you. I'm not a smart man. So get ready for a lot of really uh, what may seem like pretty stupid questions. But again, I'm really comfortable asking a lot of stupid questions. <laughs> and the first one I want to ask is from the first chapter. 
what is operational marketing and what, what are some of the problems with it? Yeah, it's a really fundamental and important question. And by the way, I, I, I love and like you, I have a podcast. And one of my favorite things about having a podcast is that you can ans- ask stupid questions in air quotes uh, because you say, well, I'm just asking these so the audience understands them. And the reality is most times we don't know the answer ourselves. <laughs> so th- that is an advantage of doing it. So what is operational marketing? Op- operational marketing is the set of plans and activities and systems you need to actually run and drive a successful marketing function. Uh, And it turns out that, as David so eloquently put in his intro to the book, most people don't go to school to learn this. Most people know marketing. They know how to do marketing. They know how to run a marketing campaign. Maybe they're a digital marketer, a brand builder, but no one teaches you how to run a marketing function. And if you want to be a leader in marketing to run a marketing function, you need to understand the techniques of operational marketing. How do you build the systems and process and teams to actually make marketing happen and deliver on your goals? So that's the fundamental definition of what operational marketing is. The biggest challenge Uh, The biggest challenge when it comes to if you're not doing it well, the biggest risk is you're just not going to achieve your objectives. You're not going to achieve your goals if you don't build a plan that's designed to achieve your goals. I think that's the most fundamental thing that people miss when it comes to building a function that's hopefully designed to actually get a good business outcome. Yes, and I'm sorry I didn't mention that you are the host of the next CMO podcast, and we're going to make sure to include a link uh, to that as well. People should uh, should listen to that. So you talk about not having goals. Um, you write on page three, actually, you, you guys have reviewed over a thousand marketing plans from companies of all sizes and age and, and, and industries, and I guess there's certain patterns that emerge in I wanted to ask you, what what is it that you start to see? And one of them, I think the very first one here is inadequate or completely absent goals. Can you talk more about that and, and share what are some of the other really big things you see with all of these marketing plans? Yeah, it's really interesting. And that particular item about the lack of goals was really fascinating to me because if you ask a marketing person in, in general, do you, hey, is your plan built on goals? They'll say, of course it is. <laughs> Uh, and uh, it's it's really shocking. In fact, we did a survey. We did a survey uh, called our Operational Marketing Index, where we uh, did uh, asked thousands of marketers uh, how they think and how they plan and sort of scale and rate their operational marketing practices. And only 18% of marketers self-report that they do an excellent job when it comes to building a plan based on goals. And I can say that uh, I think that's even generous based wow. on what I've seen. And you also report that less than 40% of the respondents say they even do goals-based planning that align with their core objectives. And I, I agree that for me was the biggest surprise or I was just amazed by that more than anything else in the book. I, I've been really surprised, Doug. And the, uh, the what's interesting is that some people will think they have goals. So they'll say, sure, I've got goals. I've got goals to to grow. Okay, well, what does that mean? 
and they can't really tell you what that means. Well, the company needs to double this year. Well, what are you doing about it? What's your specific target that's related to activities that you control as a marketing function? Blank stare. So they don't really understand. It's the really understand the connectedness between the high level business objectives. What's the company trying to do? Am I trying to enter new markets? Am I trying to grow? Am I trying to retain customers? Am I trying to save cost? What are those business goals? And then translating those to specific marketing objectives that are directly related to things that you do. That connective tissue is one of the things that's missing in the vast majority of marketing plans that are developed today. Can you talk about the the very specific things that are in a goal so that people can better identify if they in fact have a goal? Absolutely. So a goal should have some really good structure. A goal should have, uh, goals include, one, a definition of a goal is, uh, a definition of what the goal is, and it should in, uh, be something that is achievable and controllable by you. But it has structure. It also has targets, metrics, and milestones. Uh, so start with a metric. A lot of people say, well, great, my goal is growth and my metric is pipeline. Uh, okay, well, that's not enough. <laughs> I also need to understand how much pipeline I need to get. Well, I need $10 million of pipeline. Great. Does that mean I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to have 5 million in the first half of the year and 5 million in the second half of the year? Well, no, we've got some seasonality. Great. Well, what are the milestones? A milestone is a waypoint that says in this particular period, in this time frame, I expect to achieve this number based on that metric. When you define all those things, a well-defined goal that's within your control, that has something that you can actually do something with, that's aligned to the business, that has metrics defined, targets for those metrics, and specific milestones, that's a really great goal. Okay. So what happens when you're a marketer, and trust me, I've met them, and you've probably met even more, who say, well, I haven't been given any goals. That happens a lot. It's really surprising, Doug. And Peter, this I, is turning into a support group for me, and I appreciate that. It is, and I spend a lot of time, I spend a lot of time, I call myself a recovering CMO, actually, <laughs> uh, because I spent many years as a CMO, and uh, and now as a CEO, uh, I, I can look back and uh, and and. and and uh, struggle with the, the difficult past I had as a CMO. Mm. It's, a, it's a big problem, but it's also a key part of your uh, responsibility. So if you're a senior executive, especially, you shouldn't have to be told what your departmental functional goals are. You should understand what the business goals are. Mm -hmm. Your job as a leader should be to take the overall business goals and say, aha, Based on these business goals, the objectives that are related to my function should be X, Y, and Z. Uh, and this is how they're related. This is how they contribute. These are my dependencies, et cetera. And of course, they need to be reviewed with the rest of the leadership team. But a key differentiating point for strong leaders is that they actually have the ability to take high-level uh, business objectives and translate them into the marketing specific objectives that are there. So I'd turn it back on the marketing leaders and say, if you don't have goals, you need to 
build them. Now, if your overall business doesn't have goals, yes, that's I, another problem. Uh, and what I would do in that case is I would certainly, one, say, hey, we should have some goals as a company. Uh, and, and two, what you might do is recommend what those goals sh- might be. And, and I find that it can be really effective uh, as, uh, as a leadership team to have someone say, hey, we need to refine our goals. Here's what I think we should do. Give people a starting point. That's a reasonable point to at least get people started on this concept of building goals. Yes, that's real marketing leadership. And I, I don't have much uh, patience with marketers to say, well, I haven't been told what to do. You are not, you are going to starve to death as a marketer long term. They're looking to you for leadership. And I'll step down off my, my soapbox here. Just a quick question, though, for someone who may be complacent. And again, you've got a whole chapter on this, but can you <laughs> remind listeners of the cost of inaction regarding improving marketing operational effectiveness? Somebody who may be fat and happy or maybe further down the rung. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are a whole bunch of uh, potential pitfalls with, uh, with inaction that comes from, uh, from marketing. And, and there's some tactical things that happen, uh, like you can waste a lot of money along the way, as an example, if you don't have good goals that you're planning based on. Uh, there's, uh, but there's some really strategic, important things that happen. So uh, I think of sort of the three categories of impact. One is just waste. I'm going to waste money. And obviously that feels painful. And you waste money because you spend on multiple things more than once. You don't use all your budget on the right things. Sometimes you're spending money on things like t-shirts and bouncy bouncy balls that may not be the most important things because you don't know what your goals are and where to spend. But then there are the strategic things. So the second is the idea of of if you don't have goals, you're not going to perform. You're going to get suboptimal performance. It means you're not going to hit your targets. You're not even going to set your targets correctly. So maybe I'm defining targets that aren't really going to help me achieve my overall business goals. Uh, and and then fundamentally, the biggest thing is if you don't uh, if you don't strategically execute your business plan, you're going to be accountable. At the end of the day, CMOs turn over more than any senior executive in the C-suite. And one of the reasons they do is that they're not good at defining what their objectives could be, achieving those objectives, communicating the business value they create. And based on all of that, you're going to end up losing your job if you don't do a good job setting your goals and building a plan that's designed to actually achieve those goals. Well said. Let me quote from page 18 where you write, what is the ultimate cost of not effectively executing your marketing agenda? If you are a senior marketing leader, then it's your job. (laughs) In the worst case, it's your career. So again, that's why this book now has a a place on that list of the five others that I think are just so important for marketers to read. But going on to the next... uh, chapter. I'm again these are some high level things but you write that if the impact of ineffective marketing leadership execution is so high why don't more people try to solve the problem and you and your co-authors go on to explain that it's not because of lack of effort no <laughs> but rather the lack of all the core elements required for operational excellence. So can you talk about what some of the the core elements are? And and we've yeah. already started to touch on some of these. Yeah, absolutely. And these are, these, when you hear them, should be obvious. Yes. But, right, right Doug? Yeah. But, but they're not. Well, there's they, problems. 
there's yeah, problems. And here, yeah, and here's the issue. People don't think from a complete system perspective around what are all the elements that I need to make sure that I have strong operational capability. So here's, here's the list. Uh, the first is what I call a strategy-driven and goals-based planning approach. In other words, you're, you're building your plan based on business objectives that are aligned to the overall corporate objectives, and you have a strategy that's aligned to achieve those specific goals and plans to do so. Right. And let me just interrupt. You write that the term strategy is one of the most overused and misunderstood terms in business. That's a bad combination. <laughs> it, it is. Can I, can I give you an example of strategy? Because I think people need to understand what this Please. is. Please. Yeah. Okay. Because there's a lot that it's not. There is. So there's the, uh, I think of it this way. If you use an analogy, first of all, a strategy is the approach or method you use to achieve the goal. So let's come up with an example. So if my goal is to get to the top of a mountain, then I can employ multiple strategies to get there. So one strategy might be cleaning, uh, climbing up the sheer face of the mountain. Another strategy might be going through the long circuitous path along the back to get to the top in a more gentle slope. So why does the strategy matter? The strategy matters because the tools and techniques and resources you need are different for achieving the same goal. If I'm going up the face of the mountain, I need those clippy things and ropes. I don't know what they're called. Uh, and Pitons? You, those must be them. I'm not sure. Uh, and if you go up the, if you go the long circuitous path, then you know what? You need plenty of water and comfy shoes and, and maybe a map. Uh, so you need different tools based on the strategy that you employ. And that simple example is meant to highlight the fact that people are not good at defining and aligning around what the strategy is that they've agreed upon to achieve their business goals, and it matters. It's critically important. Yes. Now, I got you off track because you were talking initially about the strategy-driven and, and goals-based planning approach. Yep. So that's the first one. Second one is you need a complete system-wide view of your whole uh, your whole function. You need a broad view of how the parts fit together and what the interaction is in uh, in your entire marketing function so you can assess performance Third, you now, need. Now, wait. Let me yeah, interrupt you. Okay, again. you're going to ask me. To, I, I'm I'm going to go fast unless you slow no. me down, Doug. So slow me down. <laughs> but there are a lot of organizations with a random sample of spreadsheets that aren't connected. Again, I guess I was kind of surprised to hear that. It, it is true, and here's the reality: businesses are complicated. A marketing function is super complicated. Yes. What's most important is that you at least have a broad understanding of how the parts come together. How does the system work? So uh, I, I know in my, uh, my old minivan that we used to drive, there was a, uh, on the nav system, there was a thing that would show you all of the elements of the car fitting together. And it would show you the sort of this health check of the complete system. Was the tire pressure okay? Is the engine working, et cetera, all these pieces. And it was a really cool visual way to look at the entire system. And in fact, I designed a, a an assessment chart based on that, actually, that's where it came from initially, that said, how do we actually look at all the parts 
of uh, of the marketing system as information flows and as customers flow through your engagement with your company, and are all of them healthy? So understanding how all the pieces fit together at a high level is the place that I'd start to get a system view. It doesn't mean that you have an end-to-end, perfectly integrated data processing system where all the things fit together perfectly, because that's not reality. But you need a logical view of the system so you understand how stuff happens in a marketing function and you can assess the overall health of all of your end-to-end system acquiring customers and retaining them. Great. So that's the system view. (laughs) So the, the third view is you need a process to measure and refine and optimize. So what that means is you need a discipline so that you are regularly assessing and measuring and looking at things. Because if you have tools for doing all these things, but you're not using them, you don't have a business practice to do it, all goes to heck and you're not going to be able to deliver. Um, Fourth, you need the discipline to connect all your activities, everything you're doing to outcomes. Uh, and and we go into a fair amount of detail around this, which uh, in, in the key philosophy that, that I have is that whenever you want to spend resources in a marketing team, you have to ask the question, to what end? Mm-hmm. Why am I doing this? What is the ultimate outcome I'm trying to achieve? And at the end of the day, I believe you can connect everything you do down to a place on your P&L. And if you can't, maybe you shouldn't be doing it. So really having that discipline to understand why is it that I'm doing each of these things? So really connecting all of your activities to, is it whether it's aligned to a goal or a specific outcome that's in support of a goal, really understanding that. And then fifth is just what I call a culture of excellence, which is really having the the, the culture and the systems and in the and the uh, the mentality of what I think of is uh, supporting analytical thinking in supporting, uh, assessing marketing like you're a scientist versus a promotional marketing kind of person. And those things make, I I think, a huge difference in your ability to execute. Yes. And that's why I see that there are a growing number of engineers in marketing and they seem to uh, cotton to this, this idea of monitoring a system, constantly testing, tweaking. It's great. So, Peter, sometimes I give a talk to groups on some of the key trends or the things I've learned from having these hundreds of marketing books on the show. And one of the topics that I usually start with, which I'm always afraid I'm going to get thrown off the stage or or out of the room, but it's marketers have an image problem. And there have been a number of books that talk about the perception of marketers and why there's a bit of a disconnect. And your book really tackles it. And there are certain sections of the book where I'm really going to be stealing. (laughs) I just want to recap so the listener understands some of the things you just mentioned. One of them is if you don't have a constant focus on understanding the relationship between your activities and meaningful outcomes for your business, you can quickly devolve into what we call random acts of marketing. And while it's a fool's errand to connect a financial value to every marketing activity, you must connect every marketing activity to a financial outcome. And then like you just mentioned, you write one effective technique for assessing the value of your activities is to ask the question, to what end? 
until you can connect the activity to a line on the profit and loss statement. And then finally, on the next page, you write, even if you can't distill each activity down to a numerical value, it is important to understand the business financial motivation for the activity. If you can't make that connection, maybe you should stop the activity. Going forward, you urge marketers to focus on truth, not credit. Explain what you mean. I love that. Focus on truth, not credit. Yeah, it's really interesting, Doug, because as uh, as marketers, first of all, we're, we're taught to spin and to promote and position things. And we also can have a little bit of an identity crisis where our sales counterparts are often saying, great, I closed that business. Here's the revenue I've got. Marketing people love to be able to say, I've got a piece of that action. Um, it, at the end of the day, that's important. And certainly we want our teams to be able to feel good about what they've accomplished. But as a marketing leader, the most important thing for you to do is to get to the truth because your job is taking resources and applying them to projects and efforts and campaigns with the intent of actually achieving your business objective. So if something didn't work well, you're best served by saying that didn't work well. Yes. And maybe this is the reason why, (laughs) uh, but not trying to spin it and make it look good because otherwise maybe you'd continue doing something that isn't really effective. So really getting to the point of, and, and it's what I think of as sort of acting like a scientist more than a promoter. It's about using the scientific method to actually refine your plans. Uh, it's about, you have a thesis, which is, I think if I do this kind of campaign or that kind of activity, I'm going to get that kind of outcome. You design an experiment, which is your campaign. You measure, uh, and, and then you accurately communicate your results. And if the results are bad, it's fine to say that they're bad. In fact, you will get more respect in the organization if you said, I did these eight things, six of them worked really well, yay us, two of them did not work well, we have a theory on this one, maybe if we tweak it, we're going to do it more uh, in the future, this one we'll never do again because it was bad. Yes, here's what we learned. So focus on the truth, not credit. And it really resonated with me because I've seen it so often. I thought that was such great advice. And I think your credibility will increase when they see, okay, this didn't work. Here's what we learned. Here's what we're going to do going forward. And I should mention that you've even got an entire chapter, I should for the listener, (laughs) he's got an entire chapter on managing stakeholders and a great reminder of why it's important to build bridges with these different departments and, and again, a, a very specific grid on how to manage what people need to know and, and why it's a good idea, why it's good for you, why it's good for them, why they appreciate that. But I wanted to jump over to another vocabulary word. You write that the term campaign is also overused in marketing these days, which can make it difficult to build campaigns at the right level. Can you Explain what you mean by a campaign, because again, it's sort of like saying an appliance. It means different things to different people, and and what a, a campaign manager does. Yeah, it's a great question, and the word campaign has been completely destroyed, mostly by people in the marketing technology world. So I'll blame my uh, my uh, counterparts uh, in in that domain because a lot of them that's in Boston. part of the problem. 
Yes, a lot of them in Boston. And, and, and some of it, you think about this where if you look at the interface on an ad system, it says, great, create a new campaign for this ad or create a new campaign in Salesforce to send this email. Uh, and those aren't campaigns. Those are tactics in general. What a campaign is, is a broad thematic set of activities that are focused on achieving a business outcome. Uh, what what you, I mean by that is that uh, is that you need to think about a campaign as something that you're going to sustain over a period of time, and it's a combination of 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 tactics and activities that are designed to deliver a business outcome. And here's a test that I use, Doug, to determine whether you're uh, you're talking about a campaign or a tactic. So if we go back to our goals, and I say, hey, my goal is to uh, drive growth. And I'm going to measure success by pipeline and opportunities and sales. Uh, and, and then I say, great, I've got a campaign over here and, uh, and it's on, on, on Facebook. Uh, and, uh, and, it's, uh, and the measurement of success of that campaign uh, should be the same kind of outcome that you're expecting to measure in the goal. So if the goal is to drive growth, I'm going to measure success by pipeline opportunities and revenue. And what I'm calling a campaign is going to tell me about clicks, then it's probably not a campaign. It's probably a tactic. So the, the idea of thinking more broadly about campaigns is incredibly important uh, because it's really easy for people to get buried in the weeds of all of the marketing activities. And your job as a marketing leader, especially, is to create a level of coherence in your plan so that you organize all these activity into broad thematic campaigns, which are understandable by mere mortals. So you should be able to look at a list of campaigns and, and understand, I know what they are. I know what goals they're in service of. I know what the outcomes are. And maybe there's a dozen or two. Uh, and it's supported by 500 or 5,000 underlying tactics. I had to chuckle in the book when you wrote, let's do an email marketing campaign. <laughs> Explain what you mean when you write that the channels, the channels killed marketing campaign management. Yeah, and uh, this, is, this is something that uh, Scott, my, uh, my co-author and, uh, and CMO of my company, Plana, uh, is, is always banging the drum on. Uh, and uh, a lot of people confuse channel with campaign. Mm -hmm. And a channel is the communications vehicle that you're using to deliver a message. Uh, and a channel might be uh, Facebook or AdWords, as an example. Uh, and uh, a campaign is the broad set of activities that are going to try to drive an outcome. And it probably includes multiple channels. So uh, email is a channel. Uh, you know, digital advertising networks, each are individual channels. The combination of those efforts, maybe including things like messaging and communications and PR uh, and strategy, all of those come together and that is what a campaign is. Now, one thing I wanted to ask about, which wasn't, I think, talked about in your book, but it, it, I'm a little confused, not because of what you wrote, but some other books I've read, where some authors have tried to declare war on the word campaign. Uh, I don't know if you've heard that, where meaning like do what constantly works, but don't have it in like the, uh, don't do something and then completely stop it. 
you know, the, they don't like the use of the word campaign because the customers are always at different stages of a of a buying cycle. Have, have you ever heard anything like that? Yeah, certainly there are uh, different approaches and strategies people are going to use to organize their marketing. Uh, and, you know, what you're talking about around uh, thinking about the buyer's journey versus uh, thinking about pushing messages out to the broad, uh, to, to your broad market. Exactly. Is, yeah, that, I think it's an important consideration. That being said, you still need to think about the uh, thematic approach to these messages that go out or even the way that you treat people who are going through your buying cycles. So it, it doesn't mean that uh, just because you have a uh, customer journey focused approach doesn't mean you can't incorporate the concept of campaigns. I think what people struggle with is the word yes. because it can be interpreted so many different ways. Mm-hmm. People use campaign, they use program, they use play, they use theme. It almost doesn't matter what it is as long as you agree that the concept is this broad group of activities whose success can be measured by the same kind of metrics you're using to track whether you've achieved your goals. If you organize it that way, I don't care if you call it Doug, it's fine. (laughs) And you all write extensively about what you mean by campaign. So it's not like I was confused by it. In fact, I I learned quite a bit more about what, what you all meant by that. You're just using that word that you know, sometimes people don't always uh, understand or they mean something else. But let's talk about something else. And I don't often read this in a book on marketing, but it was on page 59 and it was a, a header and it's a question that I'd like you to answer. Peter Mahoney, what is a marketing plan? Uh, <laughs> and I guess what compelled you to want to put that in the book? Yeah, well, the, the reason why I wanted to put this in the book is the following. I would often go to, as, as a CMO, I'd often go to different leaders within my company. And just a little bit of context, when I was most recently a, C, a CMO, I was the CMO of about a $2 billion software company. We had five product divisions and about 35 underlying sort of product groups that rolled up into this big complex mess. So it was almost like 35 individual companies. Uh, And each of them had a marketing leader. So I'd often go to the marketing leader and say, show me your marketing plan. And what they'd show me was invariably some spreadsheet with a bunch of numbers on it. And and I said, well, that's not a marketing plan. Maybe it's a budget, but that's not a marketing plan, Mm -hmm. right? A marketing plan is a comprehensive document that is part of your overall business plan that starts with a strategy and has context around things like what's my market and what's the situational analysis and competitive and pricing and packaging. And sure, part of that is your budget and how you're going to spend your money, but it's a much bigger, broader concept than just a single page Excel thing that says I'm going to spend this much on Facebook and I'm going to spend that much on t-shirts. Yes, and you have a wonderful marketing plan framework that starts on page 61 and goes for quite a ways, and it's I just loved it. I loved it, and it's got all the things that you should be talking about, and I think that a lot of marketers can use this and really uh, probably get a lot more buy-in for what the marketing function is doing, and I think their stature uh, will rise as, as well. So 
uh, I wanted you to explain what you mean when you write that you should set your goals and build your plan and then go to finance and fight for the budget. <laughs> Don't let finance tell you what the budget is. I, I got to believe that's going to surprise a lot of listeners. And does it surprise a lot of the folks that you talk to? It does. And obviously, companies are complicated and people have their own processes. And there's a business plan that the company is following and they expect to spend a certain amount on different functions over time. But what's most important is to be able to start by understanding what are you trying to achieve. Uh, and if you start that way, and, and I like the idea of building plans in what I call Minecraft mode. So Minecraft, if you don't know, is a video game that is in super low resolution blocks. Uh, and, uh, and if you start in a very low resolution, just the big blocks of the plan and say, what are the key metrics I'm trying to, I'm trying to achieve? What's my historical cost per metric? What have I paid to get an opportunity or a lead or a dollar a pipeline in the past? Uh, and then if I multiply my historical performance of cost per outcome by the number of outcomes I expect, and then add in the cost of my infrastructure, I'm going to have a pretty good beginning assessment that says, well, if you want that outcome, this is what it's going to cost. Mm -hmm. So that kind of mentality of starting from the goals, understanding what you're trying to achieve, defining the strategies at a high level in the campaigns at a very high level, then you should be able to rough out what it's going to cost to achieve that. And if it's twice what the budget that's proposed is, then you got a problem and you need to have an intelligent conversation about what it costs to do these things, what we've done historically, setting expectations and making sure that you're aligning the resources with the expected outcomes from the team. Yes. And listeners may not be there right now, but it's like so many things in the book, it shows you where you could be, what the ideal might be. So it gives you some direction. And I would think a lot of marketers aren't really going to get that from within their organization because they might be the marketing leader or they might be the only marketing person. So Peter, sometimes people ask me, Douglas, you've read all these books. What's, what's the one book I should read? What's the best book you know, if I only read one book, and you know, is it is it is it this book? Is it those other five books I talked about earlier? Is it one by you know Seth Godin or uh, David Merriman Scott or Philip Kotler or Robert Cialdini? And they all are phenomenal authors. But the answer I always give is the book by Sarah Cooper, One Hundred Tricks to Appear Smart in Meetings: How to Get By Without Even Trying. It's usually a joke in the presentation, but it's a very funny book, and I'm a big fan of hers. And when I was reading the beginning of Chapter 7, I took a picture of it so I could send it to her because she now has a daily calendar of uh, tricks to appear smart in meetings. It's really, really funny. And I was gonna, I'm going to read this. It's about marketing strategy. Again, back to another thing that we all think we know. And you write, the term marketing strategy is thrown around liberally these days to the point that it now represents anything in marketing that is not tactical. <laughs> it is a term that makes marketers feel smart when they say it, which inspires the frequent use of it in conversation. Think about it. How often have you heard marketers say things like, we're building a marketing strategy for this year with no real clarity as to what it is? The issue with the term 
marketing strategy is that the meaning has gotten so broad that very few people can actually define it. And then you go on to write, which is, I'm going to ask you, if this is the case, then what is a marketing strategy? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. And by the way, I'm a huge fan of Sarah Cooper's too. So I, I'm, I'm honored that you've uh, shared my, uh, my, a picture of my uh, book chapter <laughs> with her. Uh, so hopefully maybe I see her in the future making a, a weirdly lip-synced video of, of this podcast. <laughs> of Peter Mahoney, uh, you yes. And me. That's right. That's right. But you exactly. know, Peter, when you ask things like, in your book, what is a marketing plan? What is a marketing strategy? It gave me uh, the sense that there are no dumb questions. There, there aren't. And, and I think it's the kind of thing, Doug, that because people throw these terms around so much, I, I think it's just really important to remind ourselves what they're really intended to mean. And a marketing strategy should be, it's a really simple at its base kind of definition is the long-term general approach that you're using to achieve your goals. It's, it's the approach to achieve your objective. Uh, and, and that's the most important thing to understand. Uh, and if we're not grounded on some of these core definitions uh, that are pretty key elements to how you actually build a marketing function, then we, we get a problem. Yes. So... One of the chapters that I just found uh, even more fascinating than the others was on ROI. You talk about marketers uh, needing to measure ROI. And the quote from Einstein, or attributed to Einstein, which I think he put up on a chalkboard once, was, uh, not everything that counts can be counted, and not everything that can be counted counts. <laughs> and you really go into that. And what you write here is, ultimately, what matters in marketing is whether the marketing efforts are generating financial value to the company. Any metric that is decoupled from financial value has an undesirable level of indirection. That is not to say that all metrics must be financial, but they must all be demonstrably connected to a measurable financial outcome. So I wanted to go back into the historical context of marketing ROI, which you talk about on page uh, 155. And I've heard so much about John Wanamaker, the famous American retailer. And, you know, I worked in advertising for many, many years. That was my background. And he always famously said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. And I think if I have to hear that one more time, <laughs> I may lose it. But I've heard it, and even right here, you know, we've heard this dropped in meetings in response to a question about the ROI of marketing investments. And it often works. Everyone has a chuckle, and the conversation moves on. Talk about the problem with that quote. Yeah, there, there, there are a, a lot of issues <laughs> with, with that quote. What it does is it, it removes people's accountability for uh, defining what's working in marketing and defining the business value created in marketing. And, and I think the reason this happens, Doug, is that marketers don't understand enough the fundamental elements of what ROI is. Mm -hmm. I actually do a fairly regular set of uh, webinars where one of my most popular one is going through the details of how do you measure ROI. Mm -hmm. And if, if you think about it, there are two variables in that equation, R and I, O is just the line, right? Um, so it, it shouldn't be that hard, but people really struggle with it. And, and it, the, the key thing to understand is that People don't understand what a business return is. They don't understand that it's not leads 
or pipeline. It's actually the the contribution margin that's created from all these activities. That's mm-hmm. what the return is. And they don't understand the I part of things. And the I part of thing is not just the media spend, but it's all the other things that go into the spending for a campaign uh, that are related to the, the cost side of the equation. And without understanding those things, so people use that that uh, quote from Wanamaker because they they just want to avoid accountability of measurement. Mm-hmm. The reality is... What we should all strive to do as marketers is do a better job characterizing the business impact that we deliver through our marketing activities. And it's about measuring it at the right level and being analytical and honest about it and communicating where we're actually delivering value and how much. And if listeners sign up at that link I'm going to have on the show notes, will they get notified of upcoming webinars about measuring ROI? They will. Yep. Okay. And there's some good resources in our uh, in our community, too, that uh, that I'd point people to. So uh, lots of good things. Uh, and of course, we go into, as, as you noted here, a fair amount of depth in, in this chapter of the book. Yes. And we get a little wonky in financial because it's important. And I think it's really critical that especially leaders in marketing really understand the concepts underneath this. Yes. In fact, uh, Chapter 9, which we're not going to have time to talk about, is a a big chapter and very much about uh, the finances uh, that marketers really need to understand. But i got to go on because you go on to write, on the other hand, the most dangerously misinterpreted quote in marketing, (laughs) which is sometimes attributed to Peter Drucker or uh, Deming, is what gets measured – gets managed. What is the problem with that? And what should people know when they hear that said? And I hear it said all the time. Yeah. So here's the problem. The, the problem is that it people use it as kind of a hack, uh, and which the implication is that if it can't be easily measured, you shouldn't manage it. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. And, and, the, and the point is, you should figure out how to measure it. Uh, and uh, because Everything that you do can be measurable if you're looking at it at the right level. And it's don't use it as an excuse to just focus on the wrong things. So here's what I see happening all the time. Some parts of marketing are incredibly measurable. So obviously you look at the digital side of what you're doing and you see this all the time. Someone comes to a marketing leader, comes to a board meeting and has dizzying levels of detail of metrics for their digital spend. Uh, and it's these words, keywords work better than those and this kind of performance, et cetera. And they go into a lot of detail because they have the data and they ignore the sometimes 80% of their spend that's on non-digital, uh, that's on a complex, you know, maybe integrated campaigns or or corporate communications or PR or events or whatever it is, they ignore it. Uh, so they're using that as a crutch. And that's the big problem. People need to develop systems and processes to measure everything that they're doing in marketing. And again, if they can't come up with a method of measuring it, maybe they shouldn't be doing it. Yes. And you also have a quote from uh, Igor Ansoff, who the people may have heard of the Ansoff matrix. He was the He's considered the father of strategic management. He wrote, managers start off trying to manage what they want and finish up wanting what they can measure. It was quite the dose of reality, this chapter on uh, ROI. But then, as you have mentioned, there are lots of ways that you explain how to get closer to that. I think the problem is expecting it to be perfectly measured. It is. And uh, 
you can spend your entire life trying to come up with the perfect system of measurement. And the most important thing that you do is have a, a framework and a set of systems that are at least set at the right level so you can get a good enough view of what the impact is. And, and I'm a big believer in, uh, as an example, in measuring at the right level. So rather than going down to all the individual little tactic, I'm going to go back to this conversation we had about campaigns. Measure at the broad campaign level. Uh, you shouldn't be trying to justify the return on investment of writing a single white paper. You're going to be wasting your time uh, in its false precision. What you focus on is what did my overall content marketing strategy deliver? Uh, so all the costs and all the benefits aggregate are a much better view, and it's possible to measure at that level and impossible to precisely measure down at the level of the individual tactic. There's just too much there. Yes. So uh, before we wrap up, just a couple of other things I wanted to ask you about, and one of them was from later in the book about how to present marketing results to your, your CEO and your board. And I just want to read these two quotes, which I loved. You write, when developing your presentation for an executive audience, it's important to shift your mindset from that of a practitioner of marketing who is in promotional mode to a leader of a critical business function who is reporting facts in the context of the business. And then the next page, you write, this may seem rough, but your CEO doesn't care how you have been filling your day. She really wants to know about the outcomes. Many marketing leaders fall into the trap of delivering an activity report instead of the business results achieved. Can you talk about some of the tips you have for marketers to try to make that transition to make the reporting more effective? Yeah, and it's really interesting, Doug, because I see this all the time. There's just this voluminous list of stuff that comes out in these reports that sometimes board level reports that they don't care about. So the trick is it always go back, goes back to defining your goals, define what the outcomes should be at the beginning, define the campaigns that are designed to deliver the outcomes for those goals, and then report on the outcomes based on your expectations. So it's really as simple as that. If you boil it down to that level, again, they don't care about all the tactics that you had. It might be kind of interesting to add a little color. Fundamentally, they want to know how much did you spend on what areas to drive an outcome that you expected to be what and what was the reality? So those are the key things that they're looking for to really try to understand. Uh, th there are another couple of things that I just add here, Doug, if I may. One is that, and I talk about this a fair amount in this chapter, the idea of communicating in the language of the business, not in marketing speak, mm. is incredibly important. Because I can't tell you how many times you see someone say, hey, I got this this many uh, impressions or clicks or downloads, or I got SQLs and MQLs and SALs and things like that. And the leadership of your company, sometimes they have no idea what you're talking about. You need to translate those marketing buzzwords into a business outcome. And it can be things like pipeline, they get that. It can be things, I created this much Marginal revenue contribution, that's important to understand. Customers, mm -hmm. that's really important. But translate your activities into ideally a financial outcome 
that people really can understand and connect to what the business is trying to achieve. Well said. And let me just add to that from page 192, because I hear this a lot, or I've heard it a lot over the years. A lot of marketers complain that their CEOs or other executive counterparts don't get marketing. If this is the case in your organization, your colleagues don't think that you get their function either. I think that's a very important thing to remember. If you are in an organization and you think they just don't get marketing, mm, that sounds like kind of a cop-out to me, and I think you should be careful. It's kind of like when we talked about the cost of inaction. (laughs) If you're in an organization that doesn't get marketing, they probably think you don't get them either, but they're not going to tell you that. Great advice there. The last thing I wanted to ask you about was this um, operational marketing index. You mentioned it earlier. I, I basically, I just wanted to put a plug in for it because it, 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 tell us about that. And I should add that it's it's really 16 questions which you answer on a one to five scale. And you may not be perfect on all these things, but if you're doing these 16 things, those are great you know, mileposts to determine the overall strength. I'll give the listener an example of one of the first ones. They're, they're, it's basically in two parts, planning and the other part is budget. But one of the first planning questions is, our marketing plan is based on a set of measurable goals that align with company objectives. Answer it one through five. And then it it goes on to all the others. And it's something that a marketer could take with them, regardless of what company they're they're working for. Uh, Can you talk about this operational marketing index and maybe what some of the more surprising things are that, that came out of it? Yeah, thanks for bringing it up, Doug. And we defined this uh, sort of this uh, measurement I- instrument called the uh, Operational Marketing Index because we saw that people were really struggling in some areas of uh, operational execution when it came to marketing. So we, we took all of our work and our research and we tried to organize it into this uh, set of questions and boil it down to sort of the 16 base things that measured sort of strategy execution and sort of financial intelligence, the combination of these two things, which we think are most important. And, and the goal is to have people think about all these things so that they understand what's the universe of things that I should be considering when it comes to building a strong operational capability in marketing. So that was the the intent. And we thought it would be useful for people to understand how they fit versus others. Mm-hmm. And because uh, we started to see some patterns and probably the biggest one that we saw it was the the point that we made a little bit earlier in the call is that a very, very small percentage of people think that they're really excellent when it comes to sort of uh, defining and aligning key business objectives, uh, their marketing objectives with key business objectives. And it's one of those things that should be obvious. We all want to do. We just don't have sort of the tools and process and systems in place to do it. And especially in this world we happen to be living in today, where there's so much turbulence, it's really hard to commit these things to to uh, paper. And literally, sometimes it's printed on paper and in a binder on a shelf somewhere. <laughs> Collecting dust. Uh, yeah, it's really hard to write these things down when they're going to change all the time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, really having a system to to measure. Uh, and, and really define what those goals are and, and keep those updated over time as the world changes is incredibly important. That was probably the biggest aha we had out of that study. Mm. And uh, of course, I want to subscribe to this because you say an area for future study is to look at how marketing's goals are selected. 
especially if they're not in alignment with company goals. Again, <laughs> back to the goals. It just that was one of the things that was just great interest to me in in reading the book. So stay tuned, folks. So Peter, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? I hope they take away the concept that aligning their marketing efforts with key objectives that are designed to meet the business objectives and connecting what they do to financial outcomes. If they understand those two things, then I think they're going to be much more successful in their careers. Absolutely. That is solid gold advice. And you could say it quickly and it sounds easy. It's difficult, but if you can pull it off, you are going to be uh, one of those marketers that every CEO wants and, and or can't afford to lose. So what's one thing a listener could do today just to get going in the right direction to put in action one of the ideas from your book besides uh, going to that link and subscribing to all the goodies? Yeah, what, what I do today is I do an assessment of your, of your current plan. So take your current plan in whatever form it's in mm-hmm. uh, and, and group it into themes or campaigns uh, and, and say, are these things that I'm doing, one, am I distributing my resources in a way that is consistent with the most important things I'm trying to achieve? And what I think you'll find is that most people have a completely warped mix of where their money is going today. (laughs) So start with that very high-level view, and you can do it. I mean, you can swag it. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just get started. Get started and really think about, am I applying the limited resources I have toward the most important things? And I, I had a CEO in my last company who was famous for telling you something that I thought was really great advice. He always said, whenever I asked him for more money, I'd say, Paul, I need more budget to do this thing. He'd say to me, okay, so you're trying to tell me that this thing you want to fund is less important than the last thing on your current list. Uh, And I said, well, no, of course. He said, then cancel something else. So that kind of mindset is what you get when you understand, am I spending my money? Am I spending my precious resource on the right things? Really think about reprioritizing and putting your effort and your money and your smartest people focused on the things that are most important for driving success in your company. Oh, great advice. Great story. And it also brings to mind, to what end? To what end? (laughs) So what books, looking back, have, have most inspired your working career? Ah, well, a, a few of them. It was funny. I was thinking about this, and, uh, and I, I tell you, the biggest, impact that, uh, uh, the biggest impact books that I've read uh, are not especially marketing books, uh, right? They're, uh, they're, they're, books, uh, they're, they're books like uh, Walter Isaacson's work on Steve Jobs and Da Vinci. I love the way understanding how innovative, creative people think and understanding those stories. I love the series Sapiens and Homo Deus by uh, Yuval Noah Harari, uh, really understanding people. But when it comes to marketing books, well, let me interrupt. These don't have to be marketing books. And I think all three of those have been mentioned on the show before. So yeah, I mean, I'm just wondering like, what books uh, at, at various milestones have most inspired your work and career? And I'm also a lover of biographies. Absolutely. I, I tell you, one, one marketing book that I've, I've read in the last year that I really loved was uh, Obviously Awesome by April Dunford. I don't know if you know April. 
Um, but she's a real, uh, you know, a leader in, in positioning. And, and I'm a big fan of, of smart positioning because I think it can make a huge difference in the success of a company. Oh, terrific. Well, I guess besides that, are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend or are looking forward to reading besides the third edition of The Next CMO? Ah, well, they're, they're the, I'd point to the two Daves. They're, I have two favorite Daves in my, in my world who are both somewhere in the process of writing a book. One you mentioned recently is Dave Gerhardt. Dave is just about or has just recently published his new book. I think Dave's a brilliant young marketing genius. Uh, and uh, so I'm really looking forward to digging into that. Uh, and the other one is, uh, is a guy by the name of Dave Kellogg. Uh, Dave uh, is, is a real uh, genius when it comes to sort of analytical and operational thinking. He writes a great blog called Kell Blog, which is all about SaaS operating metrics and marketing and sales performance. And he's in the middle of writing a book. So those, those two Daves, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to, to see what the, their books come out with. I think they're both coming out in the next few months. Yes, I think he's been mentioned uh, on the show before. Yeah, that's terrific. Well, as I mentioned earlier at marketingbookpodcast.com, we will include links to everything linkable, including uh, the, the books that have been mentioned, your, your site, particularly the place where you can sign up for all the editions uh, for the book, your LinkedIn profile, your, your Twitter account. And for the listeners, if you could do me one big favor, uh, besides an iTunes review and sending me a bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon, what I really want you to do is reach out to Peter Mahoney. And thank him for being a guest on the Marketing Book Podcast. You can go to the site. You can go to his Twitter, the Twitter account. Re- reach out to him on LinkedIn. The past guests on the Marketing Book Podcast just love hearing from folks that listen to their interview. And if you have questions, I have a feeling Peter Mahoney might answer it for you. So they, they'd really enjoy it. I would urge you to continue the conversation. And if you're listening on your smartphone and you subscribe to the Marketing Book Podcast or your favorite podcast app, all these links can be found by going to this episode right now and clicking on the show notes link. The book is The Next CMO, A Guide to Operational Marketing Excellence. The authors are Peter Mahoney, Scott Todaro, and Dan Faulkner. Peter, thank you very much for joining us on the Marketing Book Podcast. Thanks, Doug. It was awesome. Appreciate the time. And that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and found it helpful. If you are one of the hundreds of listeners who've left an iTunes review, please let me return your kind favor by mailing you some Marketing Book Podcast bookmarks and laptop stickers. Just send me your mailing address anywhere in the world and I'll drop it in the mail. And remember the words of the entrepreneur, author, and motivational speaker Jim Rohn, who said, Formal education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune.